My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Dear Girl Boner, what movie will turn my girlfriend on? I really need ideas. Please help. Signed, Jake. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am so thrilled you're listening. Today, we're going to explore Jake's question and a topic it inspired, what sexy or romantic films rock your girl boner. Along with my fantastic guest, we will explore some personal favorites and ways to use steamy movies to spice up your relationship with Dr. Megan. This episode is sponsored by Talkspace, a company I can't say enough good about. I've been using them. It's one of the coolest things I have done for myself. You basically get paired up with a credentialed therapist based on your goals and your desires, and then you get 24-7 access. You can talk by text or audio or video message or Skype, and the plans start at only $32 a week, which is so much cheaper than conventional therapy, and I love that they're making therapy accessible to you, no matter how busy you are, you know, what your budget needs are. To save $30 off your first month and support Girl Boner at the same time, sign up at talkspace.com forward slash boner. For monthly Girl Boner extras, remember to sign up for email updates on my site. That's augustmclaughlin.com. And both of those links are in the show description. I am so pleased now to welcome a returning guest, Heidi Master Giovanni, my dear friend and author of Lala Pettibones Act Two, who's kind of joining us for an Act Two, your second appearance. Thanks for being here, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me, August. I'm so thrilled to be back. You were here in the spring. Your book had just come out. So catch us up a little bit. How has author life been treating you? It's it's been so amazing. I had very high expectations and. Uh, it has surpassed those in terms of just fun and and fulfillment and, and the joy of speaking with fellow authors, fellow readers. And um, August, as you know, you and I are bonded in many ways, not the least of which is that we are both members of the Amberjack publishing family. Big shout out to Amberjack. We're Huge so shout out blessed to, to work with them. So, so lucky. They are as I always say, they are not just brilliant at what they do. They are the most wonderful people to work with. They, are, they make everything a joy. One of the stops on my book tour was in Boise, and I got to meet everyone, and it was a huge, huge, huge thrill. So it's it's just been so much fun. It's been, to, you know, you and I love words. We love reading. We love writing. We love words. We love talking about words, about stories. Stories are relationships. Relationships are stories. Um, and it's just been lovely to spend all that time with the beauty of the written word. How have you felt about presenting yourself publicly as an author? I attended your fabulous event at Book Soup. So and great I, to have you You're a there. natural speaker. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I used to be an actress uh, when I graduated from college. And the thing that made sense to me, because I was not the most talented of actresses, um, the thing that made sense to me was joining a sketch comedy group. And that's where I started to learn how much I love to read and write comedy. 
and I'm I'm chatty, as you know. I'm I'm a chatty gal, and uh, I love I love presenting myself as an author. I love it. I love talking to people. I love being asked questions. I love talking about Lala. I love talking about the whole process of writing. Yeah, yeah, and it's inspiring because I know there are so many kind of closeted writers, mm-hmm. people who want to be writers. I've read that a huge amount of people wish that they were writing a book or have that as a goal or a dream. And I think it's inspiring to see someone who's so positive about it. And also that humor and wit and chattiness is in your book hugely. So anyone who's listening and is like, I really dig this person, which of course you are <laughs> digging this person, list, you have to check out the book. You have to find Lala and and meet her world and, and really um, stay in touch with Heidi. You have a blog, you have a website, you're on social media, very spirited and outspoken, which I so appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I am a, a raging liberal feminist. Amen. Yes. Yeah. We need more of those yep. of all genders, yep. by the way. Well said. Well said. <laughs> so I'd love to talk a little bit about Jake's question because mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think the first thing to address is because I hear from a lot of people, how do I turn a woman on? Right. And Understandably, I think it's great that they're valuing that. You know, if you're wondering about that, that's great. But I think it's probably more important to value each other's pleasure, you know, respect each other. And turn on can certainly be a part of that. So on one hand, I guess my first response would be, I don't know what movies are going to turn your girlfriend on, right? Because it's so individual. And some people are really turned on by the really triple X, you know, erotic, explicit content. Some people are really turned on by the more emotionally driven, story, character driven uh, romances. And for a lot of us, it varies based on the day, whether it's a good movie, right? Like, I think a turnoff for me would be, this is super (laughs) cheesy. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think, Heidi? I, I ditto, ditto to everything you said. I, I, well said, darling. Because it depends on the day. It depends on the mood that you're in. It depends on your history, your story. I fall into the latter category. I, I just love romantic, sweeping movies that that involve heat between the characters. And Jake's question is a great one, and it's it might be really fun for him to explore that with his girlfriend. Absolutely. I think that's really key is talking about it because it's possible that you've talked about this together. Like, maybe that's why he asked. Maybe she said she wants to get turned on by a movie. That's great. Talk about it. If not, if it... And regardless, I think that conversation can be really stimulating and it allows you to be vulnerable together. And even the conversation can be a big turn on. So I think asking questions, you know, what kinds of films, what types of scenes turn you on? Maybe you take turns choosing a movie that turns you on. I love that idea. That is a terrific idea. And sharing it with each other. Absolutely. Lovely. That's a lovely idea. So Heidi and I both have chosen some. And you're going to see huge variety here, I just have to say. (laughs) I'm adding all of your films, Heidi, to my list because I will admit I have not seen them. I've seen the scenes uh, and I've seen portions, but I have not seen the the films in full. So I thought what would be fun is we could share some of these movies with some lines, some, some choice lines from different scenes that we found very sexy or romantic and give listeners a couple seconds to think about it and see if you can guess. And then we will reveal what it is and also talk about why we liked it. So Heidi, would you do us the honor of sharing the first one? I would be absolutely delighted. And uh, this is this is a movie. This won't give anything away. My my 
father's parents came from Sicily. And this is a movie that my parents and I would watch every time we were together, be it in New York or in Los Angeles. And uh, I have a close friend, Joseph, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy of Italian descent. And I often said that if we were in a room together with a computer, the four of us, my parents and Joseph and I, we could recreate this entire screenplay. That's how often we've seen it. I will give a little clue. Uh, it did win two Academy Awards. There's one for Best Actress, one for Best Supporting Actress. So this is uh, the, the male lead speaking to the female lead. Loretta, I love you. Not like they told you love is, and I didn't know this either, but love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. The stars are perfect, not us, not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and to break our hearts and love the wrong people and die. The storybooks are bullshit. Now, I want you to come upstairs with me and get in my bed. Mm, powerful words. So everyone think about it. Does anybody know? I'm not going to annoy you with the Jeopardy music. Imagine <laughs> it in your head. <laughs> So that movie is? It is Moonstruck, 1987, and I forgot it also won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Mm. Cher won for Best Actress, playing Loretta. Olympia Dukakis won, playing her mother. Brilliant performances by Vincent Gardinia and Nicolas Cage. All the character actors, brilliant. And Moonstruck is struck by love. The moon makes you fall in love. It's about different stories, about people and their relationships, and it's, to me, one of the most romantic stories. Loretta, the character, is doing her own second act. She's widowed in the beginning. And uh, she she has to find love again when she's given up on it. She's totally given up on it. Oh, that changes the scene that I saw. I didn't realize that was the backstory because those lines were in the, sh the scene that you shared with me that yes. particularly struck you because I had mixed reactions when I saw the scene. Really powerful and made me want to watch the movie and mm -hmm. I'm going to. Uh, but it was interesting because in that scene, Nicolas Cage's character is a bit pushy in a way. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's like, she says no, he pushes her, which to me is like, whoa. Yep. You know? Yep. And we see that a lot in films and stories where the pushy guy gets mm. the girl, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then I also saw something very different. I saw in Cher's character, just very um, in love, very in love. And and not tr and being afraid to trust that. Yes, yes. So it wasn't actually so much about him trying to convince her of something that wasn't there. He was, I think he was trying to convince her that it's worth the risk. Mm -hmm. as, as, as high as the potential for pain is when you give your life to someone else and you share your lives, it's always worth the risk with the right person. Very well said. That's beautiful. So my first pick is actually one of only a few films ever rated NC-17 to be nominated for an Oscar. And it is, gosh, what hints can I give? It features real people, uh, people I admire, who uh, are fantastic writers, very famous in literature, uh, here are a few lines from it, from two of the characters. I'll go back and forth. How would you lie to June if you were making love to her? Making love to her? Yes, to her body, to her voluptuous body. She is so perverse, so naked. Tell her that you love her. 
I love you. Anyone? Anyone? It's Henry and June. Uh, and it's a really powerful story about a love triangle, essentially. And Anais Nin, who is like one of my heroes, her story in particular is fascinating because she's really discovering new layers of her sexuality. And it's been called by Pop Sugar, basically porn with a plot, <laughs> which I can attest to, except that I feel like it's so much better than porn. Mm-hmm. It has such a powerful story. And in many ways, I feel like the more organic the lovemaking seems and the sex and the physical acts and the the emotions of love and lust are, the more of a turn on and the bigger the surprise because you're wrapped up in the story and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, girl boner. Yeah. Like it's it's so much more compelling. You get involved in these people's lives. It's not like a cheesy scene, which if this turns you on, that's fantastic. But I just don't get turned on by like, I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. Will you take <laughs> off your jacket? Like, I, I just, it doesn't really turn me on. So to me, it's one of those films you could watch together. Love the story. Learn a bit about history. And also just get completely swept away in this really erotic way. What year did that come out? 1990. Do you know, I don't think I've seen it since it came out. And you have made me want to see it again. I remember the performances were brilliant. And it was very, very hot. Yeah, it's really powerful. Highly recommended. And I think when you hear it's these literary, you know, yeah. legends, you might not expect because it is there's there's this real sense of like propriety. And you see that there's that contrast. And I think that's really powerful, too, when something seems very um kind of quote innocent and proper because again in our culture it's like well sex doesn't fit into that absolutely but of course it does and it's there and it's thriving and to have those mysteries and I think we all have that in us too that discovery when we start to let ourselves feel our sexuality and, and trust express. and trust yeah. absolutely absolutely and 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 trust that joy is it, it shouldn't just be allowed it should be celebrated yeah. amen amen okay give us another okay so um this is just, for me, one of the most romantic movies ever, ever made. Um, I won't say a whole lot more. It uh, it stars some major, major Hollywood stars of the bygone era. I will say that it is uh, was it's in black and white. So this is two two characters as well, and. Uh, it's a Jer. I'm not going to give the name away. Not that that would give the, the film away. And will you be happy, Charlotte? Oh, Jerry, don't let's ask for the moon. We have the stars. So they gave the names away in the in the dialogue. Mm. But I still, I still, well, for people who know the film, they'll. That's a beautiful line. Yeah. yeah. Anyone? This is this is about this is a movie. Don't let's ask for the moon. We have the stars. It's about a love that could not be fully realized, but that was eternal and constant. Didn't Tom write a song about that? Yes. Yeah, how f- so, yes. So Heidi's husband is a, an incredible Thank you. musician. Thank you. And wrote a Unrequited Love kind of, yes. like the yes. feelings are there. And there's something, yes. when that happens, I imagine it's like whenever feelings are somehow secret or you can't express them, mm. it's like fuel to the fire. I think so yeah. too. I mean, there is that element of the forbidden that we all just find impossible to yeah. stop thinking about. You almost fall in love with the the fantasy that because it's not a reality, right? Yes. So it you don't even become, know if it's the well, and it can't become every day. Yeah, it, you know, not not that I, there's nothing wrong with every day, 
every day is great if you're with the right person. Mm -hmm. But there's also that heady in the beginning where you it's just new and and utterly mesmerizing. Mm. So tell us what it is. So it is the classic movie, 1942, Now Voyager, starring Betty Davis and Paul Henreid. Wonderful supporting performance from Claude Rains. And again, August coming back to stories about transformation and relationships and second acts. The the lead character, Charlotte, uh, who is speaking to the, the love of her life, Jerry, um, she starts out in a place that is so sad and so unfulfilled and without giving too much away, she transforms and has a second act that is a joy to watch. Mm, we can all learn so much from that no matter where we yes. are in our lives. Exactly. Same well with said. your book and the book we're going to be you. plugging later. Yeah. Yes. All about <laughs> renewal. Yes. Starting renewal, again. Renewal. Exactly. We always can. Absolutely. All right. So this is a, a fairly, well, fairly recent movie. I loved, saw it in the theater, and uh, it's unconventional in so many ways, and that's one of the things I love about it. Helen Hunt is in it. Mm. She's amazing. Uh, here are two, uh, two lines. You're going to start to listen to signals from your body. That way you'll be able to have some control. She is the most wonderful person on the planet. She adores me, and I can get pretty kinky. Am I sharing too much, Father? Okay, one more, because it's funny. It's amazing to me how often God is brought into a sex act. I understand even among non-believers, the most common expression of sexual ecstasy is, oh, God. Anyone? That's priceless. I love those quotations. The Sessions, 2012. <gasps> 2012, The Sessions. Did I haven't see seen it. it. No. Oh. You know it's on my list now. It's uh, Helen Hunt and mm. John Hawks. Right. And he plays a man in an iron lung who wishes to lose his virginity, contacts a professional sex surrogate, who's played by Helen Hunt, with the help of his therapist and priest, Robin Williams. So it's a power cast, and sex surrogacy is really powerful and stigmatized. And so I always appreciate stories that step out of the unconventional, mm. you know, as far as sexuality goes. But what's so beautiful about this film is how real and raw and intimate the sex scenes are. I mean so enticing and there are parts that get a bit technical because they're talking about how the, their bodies can work and mm. all these different things which I don't mind I'm geeky about this stuff so I think in some ways it can even encourage you to go oh we can talk about this <laughs> you know absolutely um, and and being that vulnerable and asking for support you know um, exploring your fantasies it's just it's so powerful. I, I left it really, you know, grateful that, that that kind of film exists, but also just it's one of the most romantic films I've ever seen. So I highly, highly recommend it. Lovely. I'm going to definitely watch that. All right. Another film, Heidi. Okay. Uh, very short um, quotation from this. I, I, when August asked me to pick films, uh, she said five. Thought, well, that's really easy because these are my five favorite films, as it turns out. So this one, tiny, tiny little quotation. I don't care if you are a man. That's so enticing because you're um, like, what is the story there? <laughs> it is um, direct, very famous director starring two very, very famous actors. The female lead is married 
has was married. He he has since passed. Was married to the director for a very long time. Oh, interesting. Yes, and I'm trying to think of clues that won't give it away. Uh, the hills are alive. Oh, beautifully done. <laughs> beautifully done. That was a really good one. And this is a musical as well. I can say, I wouldn't have known. So tell us. It is Victor Victoria from 1982. Shout out to my friend Michael, who loves this movie as much as I do. 1942 is a big... 1982. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. I saw 1942... (laughs) Three times on my list. Yeah, that's like a great movie year for you. I didn't realize that until you had printed this out. I mean, 1939, of course, is the, you know, the the, um, Gone with the Wind, and Uh, and there were so many great, but 1942, no slouch during the war, too, so. Uh, Amazing, but this this is the early eighties, nineteen eighty two. Victor Victoria, wonderful, wonderful movie. Beautiful. I'm really interested. I've I've have heard you of seen it? it? No, <laughs> I think you'll love it. Yeah, I have to say too, and this feels a bit snobby somehow, but I'm so used to watching really contemporary movies that have been made with really high quality equipment. Absolutely, it is. There's a bit of a barrier for me when I start watching something that seems like, quote, older, mm-hmm. black and white, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And watching the scenes you sent me really encouraged me to go, you know, great stories have been around forever. Forever. And I'm really excited to check I'm them so out. Glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this next movie is another one that breaks some taboos, I would say. It is. It stars two gay characters. Now everybody probably knows what it is, but I'm going to give you a line anyway. (laughs) Tell you what, we could have had a life together, had us a place of our own, but you didn't want it, Ennis. So what we got now is... (laughs) You are too much for me, Ennis. You son of a whore, son bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you. Okay, so everybody knows. Brokeback Mountain. And there's so many things I love about this film. Truly, regardless of their sexual orientation... One of the most intimate, beautiful, again, it's that love that's kind of not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. And there's something really powerful about love prevailing anyway Mm -hmm. and people fighting for it and fighting their own demons too. Like, am I okay with this? You know, is so, and it's funny because originally I was thinking we could play little you know, video clips right. so that people could hear a little sound, but I wasn't sure about copyright. And <laughs> this scene would have just been a lot of like grunting and groaning and moaning. So, <laughs> um, so I chose a different line because I didn't think you probably needed to hear me do that. Um, but I am going to share the link in the follow-up blog as well as links to these other movies. So I think that'll be really powerful. So share one more and then okay. I think we may call one of our friends. Um, I, I'm going to share something from from, this is the first. This is the first movie on my on my list of to, of top favorites, and this to me is just the most brilliant movie ever made. And uh, I'll, I'll it's star. It's it's an, it's iconic. It's classic. It stars some of the greatest star uh, actors of all time. And here we have one of them speaking. I'm saying this because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work. The thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Mm. This, this one of the actors in this, it's a triangle, as you pointed out with the other movie. It's a triangle, and one of the actors in it is was also in Now Voyager. Mm. Not an American. He was born in Europe. Um, won't give the country away. The, uh, the two leads are just... 
the brightest stars in, in the Hollywood sky. Mm. They're they're both gone. It's this is an, an older movie. So hmm. anyone. I can't cheat. I already know. So go ahead and tell us. <laughs> Casablanca, nineteen forty two. Is that a movie everyone needs to see? Yes. Yeah. I, I I when I I, I it's just I envy anyone who hasn't seen it yet because they have that to look forward to. I have also, I'm sure, seen it in the three digits numbers. Wow. Uh, there's always something I find that is mesmerizing about it. It is about love and honor and courage. It's set in the Second World War, and it is, to me, a perfect movie. Beautiful. With that, so we are going to take a brief little intermission. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to switch topics. So please don't turn everything off right now. We're going to call another fantastic author. And then after we chat about some wonderful topics with her, we are going to dive back in and have a couple more sexy movies to share and also some awesome tips from Dr. Megan on kind of using these movies to spice up your love life. Now, I am so pleased to welcome Terry Emery to the line, who's joining us by phone. She is the author of Second Acts, a brand spanking new release, which is on my Kindle. It's a story of love, loss, and renewal, and a testament to the enduring power of friendship. It interweaves the tales of three women who become friends in the 1960s and stay friends forever. I can't wait to read it. Congratulations, Terry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is very exciting. I uh, took a peek at some of your reviews, which are also fabulous already, and I have to share this little bit of one from one of your readers who said, Terry Emery is the type of writer that can seamlessly transport you to anywhere she likes and evoke emotions in you so effortlessly. Second Acts is a timeless story of friendship, one that you will not soon forget. It's so beautiful. And I know that friendship is a really big theme in your writing, and also you and Heidi... Uh, kind of developed this friendship very quickly, it seems. Um, I'm curious, you know, how that started. And also, I know you got some responses that were a bit um, kind of unusual, I guess, people wondering if you were competitors. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Heidi and I have the good fortune to be published by Amberjack Publishing, wonderful woman-owned, woman-run company in Boise. And uh, when I saw... Her, the title of her book, which was Lala Pettibone's Act Two, my book being Second Acts, hers was the first book uh, by Amberjack that I read after I signed my contract. And I was so impressed with her writing. She's brilliant and talented and funny as all get out. And what I especially connected with in her book is that she was writing about women characters, she was creating characters who resembled actual women. And I liked the connections among the women, especially Lala's connection with her aunt and with her best friend. I thought those were really central to the story. And I thought, this is a woman I'd like to know better, the mm -hmm. author. So I wrote her a note. I wrote her a fan letter. And I got a lovely note back. And so the back and forth began. Then I got my publisher. Uh, we got Amber Jeff to send her an advanced copy of Second Acts. And she read that. And she understood that we were on the same wavelength. And so a friendship began. Heidi, and how did you feel when you received that fan letter? Uh, it, it's it was such a joy, and of course, when I saw the title of Terry's book, I thought, well, 
I always like to quote Elvis, some things are meant to be. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, with, with Terry, it was one of those things where I thought, have we not known each other forever? We have similar things in our backgrounds. We're both New Yorkers. In, in many spent spent a lot of time in New York, um, and uh, sh- her reading her advanced reader copy, I I couldn't. I, I'm going to go with the cliche. I could not put it down. These three women became my dear friends, and I am so thrilled that Terry is working on the sequel because as soon as I finished it, I thought, wait. I miss them. I want to know what happens mm. next. And August, we, and and Terry, August, and I had lunch together before. And she, she, I, I had told her one of my favorite quotations among many. I mean, your writing, Terry, of course, is just gorgeous, and layered, and and rich, and and uh, I. One of my favorite quotations is, and I'm. I hope I I do it correctly. We were the first generation of women who felt that they had the right to interesting lives. Mm. And I just don't know a woman of any age to whom that would not speak. Yeah, it gave me chills to hear it. It's, it's interesting that you that you uh, say that today. I just happened to have read an article uh, by uh, Gloria Steinem. You can never read too much Gloria Steinem, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I I read an article um, in it was a, a speech she gave, maybe a, a, a commencement speech, and she said we have gone from saying, I don't want a life anything like my mother's, to saying, I hope my life is is as interesting as my mother's was. Wow. And and that's something that our generation did. We we insisted upon interesting lives. We've got a long way to go because we had to scratch and claw and fight. Yeah to get those in, those interesting lives and we're still fighting the fight. Yes. But I call this progress. Yeah. I do too. And and thank you both for portraying real women and for for fighting those fights because I think you're <laughs> making such a difference and it's so important I think stories can really change the world for sure. I, I, I also want to say, I want to answer your part two of your question, which was the interesting responses uh, we got. Most of the the women I told, I talked to about this developing friendship with Heidi and our crazy idea that we would go out and do book signings together <laughs> and talk about our books mm-hmm. together. You never see that happen. And um and the women got it immediately. My women friends got it immediately. They said, how great. Won't it be fun to have uh, company? And uh, yeah, it sounds like the two of you have so much in common and your work has so much in common. A couple of men, not all of them, but a couple of men I mentioned to do said, you think that's a good idea in terms of marketing? I mean, won't there be some competition? And as if somebody who buys Heidi's book can't also buy mine. <laughs> Yeah, as though you only have room for one book on your bookshelf. <laughs> right. It's a zero-sum yeah. game. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody, because I think many men of a certain generation still th- see the world in, as a game of winners and losers. Mm-hmm. And there can't be two winners. And um, and and I also want to say that, that what's interesting about our two books is that they're so different from each other. Heidi's is... is a comic novel that has at its heart a really touching and sad, important event in Lala's life. But her adventures are 
comic in feeling. They're funny as hell. She's she's. It's very hard to write that <laughs> way, and and so she has struck this wonderful balance between tragedy and comedy, and made it so accessible and so real. And um, yeah. my book is has its funny moments, mm-hmm. and it is um, my characters are uppity and sarcastic. Um, but they, this is this is a very different kind of novel. It's a much more serious novel, and it takes place over decades. Um, and yet, yet the overlap is that has something. The overlap has something to do with how women connect mm-hmm. with other women. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful. beautifully said, Terry. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really powerful. I'm excited to read yours. I really enjoyed Heidi's. It sounds like they're a good contrast, too, which is really nice. Terry, I wonder if you could speak to the term women's fiction. I read a blog post on Amber Jack's blog uh, that you had contributed talking about that term and kind of what it means and how do you feel about your book being categorized that way? Well, you know, it's a convenient handle. And, and publishers use it and and bookstores and readers kind of think they understand what it means. I'm not sure I understand what it means. It seems to me that women's fiction is just like every other kind of fiction. Yeah. Uh, only underappreciated, perhaps. Uh, nobody describes any male writer as writing male fiction. And so right away, there's a problem with yeah. the label, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's like uh, if you can tell me what the word is that's comparable to the word bachelor, for example. Is there a word that describes an unmarried woman that is as positive no. and appealing and exciting as the word bachelor? So it's, it's you know, you can file it in the same file that this business about women's fiction. Um there is chiclet as well, which is lighter fiction. Um, I would say that uh, some critics might be tempted to call Heidi's book chiclet. Uh, it's if it is, it's chiclet for grown-ups because it's got layers and, and <laughs> it's a grown-up. It's a chicken, not a chick. It's chicken lit. Heidi, how do you feel about that? But. Um, <laughs> no, I I I want to I want to echo what Terry said, and we we've talked about this a lot. We actually we actually met in person for the first time. Um, I guess it was last month, and uh, just was so wonderful to see you in person. Although, of course, the second I saw you, I thought I've known her forever. Um, but we, <laughs> we were talking John Irving, one of my favorite authors, one of absolute favorites, and most of his protagonists, unless unless I'm not remembering correctly, are men. And as just to echo what Terry said, he's never called a male writer. He's never call, his fiction is never called men's fiction. And and honestly, that does drive me a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. My first novel, several people who reviewed it thought I was a guy, and oh, because of August is a is a male name. And I noticed they reviewed it differently. And even my first agent told me that he doesn't. He he said that he's drawn to. It's the only time I ever heard this term. He said guy thrillers. Oh, for heavens sake. And yeah. and that he liked mine. And I, I was really trying to figure out if that was a compliment or what that was. I, I didn't know because I thought, well, can't a women's book or a book featuring women have 
really strong, dark, scary themes. You know, it's 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 kind of like dividing people into pink and blue. Very well said. And I read I read August's book and it is terrifying. (laughs) I I would defy I brilliant, mesmerizing, terrifying. I would defy any man to come up with scarier scenarios. Oh, that's right. If that's somehow in the domain of men. (laughs) That I will take as a compliment. Thank you, Heidi. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's really, really fascinating. And both of you talk a lot about renewal again, second acts, starting again. And in, within that, there's this whole idea of of seizing your own joy and and your own power. And both of you have, you know, life experiences, and then also within your stories, it seems this is a message that you really carry. I wonder if you could each share a tip on ways that, especially, you know, maybe women who are 20, 25, 30, how can how can we better honor our power and really stand in our joy? Heidi, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. Thank you, Terry. Um, It's such a great question, August. And I would say uh, Terry and I are of a similar generation. And certainly from from my life experience, the best advice, the advice I wish I had gotten when I was in my 20s is just make it about your joy. And and the the old cliche about if someone asks you to do something and then I always felt when I was younger I had to offer a million reasons why I wasn't going to do it. And you know, no is actually enough of an answer. No period full stop. Yes. yes. And they can even say, Why won't you? Well, because I don't want to. And I, I would advise young people in all of them, and I think women need this message especially. Do it because you want to. Do it because you love it. Always, always walk toward your joy and always make sure that your needs are, we all make them a priority. We all, relationships obviously vitally important and you want to be as giving as your partner is or your friend is or your family is. But but make sure that in all of that, you're never, never, ever for a minute lost. Beautiful. That's such an important How message. Wonderful. That's great, Heidi. Thank you. And Heidi is, has been very diplomatic in saying we are the same generation. We I'm are. Eight years older than she is. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't even count. All right. <laughs> um, now, I, I, I would, I would turn to a warning about the media. You know, media is coming at us, especially women in their 20s and 30s and everybody in their 20s and 30s 24 7 you've got images you've got messages coming coming at you and we live in an age segregated society and there are attempts from every corner to keep women separated from each other and age is one way to do that and so i would say uh be careful of that warning. Try to focus on the ways in which women of different generations can help each other. Be aware of the fact that every poll shows that three out of four women of every age think that sexism is a really serious issue still, and we need to work on it together. Um, be aware of of attempts to uh, talk about the first wave, second wave, third wave, feminism, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you call it. We are sisters and we have to be together in this. Mm. Beautifully said. That's my message. Beautifully said. That's so powerful. I love that. I think it's so important to have 
friends of all ages. I just, as you said, we can learn so much from each other. And if there is that barrier, we may not get to know someone who we'd be very kindred with. Absolutely. 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 And who can, and who can walk side by side with us as we, as we achieve our goals and live our lives the way that Heidi and I are walking side by side. Now, I wish every woman listening to this would have, would know the, the, the value of that and the pleasure of that. Yes. And that another woman's success is not your failure or your shortcoming. It's, (laughs) you know, we can all blossom together. I love the name of your tour, Writing While Female, the 2017 tour. (laughs) I'd love to hear more about it. Terry, I'm wearing the T-shirt that you created in the studio. Are you? Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. Well, well, any any tour worth its salt has T-shirts. <laughs> so we had to have we had to have T-shirts. We just have two so far. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the tour will be will be wonderful, and um, I think it's. Um, I think we're going to sell a lot of books. I think we're going to meet a lot of wonderful people. I think we are going to get to know each other, Heidi and I, in a profound way, in in a way that will will benefit us for the rest of our lives. Beautifully said again, Terry. And I, I, uh, it's just, it's already so much fun. It's it's just going to be so much fun. And uh, it, is it a good time to mention where we're going to be? Please. Okay. Uh, so our first, and this is Terry's Los Angeles launch party, October 8th at fabulous Skylight Books in the Los Feliz section of Los Angeles on Vermont, 5 o'clock, Sunday, October 8th. And uh, that's our first. And as I told August over lunch, we're, we're bookending my 60th birthday on October 15th, uh, because the next week we're going to be in Denver on October 22nd, and it's going to be at, get the name of this store, it's the Book Bar. It's a bookstore, and it's a wine bar. Oh, hello, hello, how perfect. <laughs> and and Terry's, Terry's brother lives near there, so I get to meet Terry's brother, and uh, it's so looking forward to that. And then October 28th, Saturday, we are at wonderful, wonderful Sandpiper Books, one o'clock in Torrance, California. Beautiful. And for people who can't make it to these events, where can they find your books? And I know you both have websites people can check out. Yes, HeidiMasterGiovanni.com. I I think it'll be up, or I can, you know, it's it's a long last name. And and Terry, your website is... Uh, my name, my website is terryemory.com, T-E-R-I-E-M-O-R-Y. We are, um, the books are available everywhere books are sold. Online, <laughs> the usual online sources, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and in bookstores everywhere. And, the, and if, you're, if you want to patronize your local bookstore and they don't have it, just ask them to order it, the books. Beautiful. You know, quickly. I love it. And any of you listeners out there, if you buy it, I just thought of this now, but send me a picture of your receipt uh, through my website, augustmclaughlin.com, and I'll send you some girl boner swag. So, <gasps> thank you, August. Oh, it's my pleasure. Oh, oh my gosh! A, how how cool is that? I also want to say that I am going to be in San Francisco uh, on uh, at the amazing uh, Books Inc., which 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 builds itself as the West's 
oldest independent bookstore. Mm. I'm at the at the Books Inc. Uh, um, near near the Opera House at Opera Plaza on November fourth. Um, sadly, I won't have Heidi with me, but I will, I will be spirit. there. And Heidi in and spirit, I, yes. Heidi, can we preview our? Yes, can we preview yes, our possible New York? Please yes. do, please do. We. We, we All we can say is, for the New York audience, pencil in January 7th. Mm. More, more details soon. I love that teaser. That was great, Terry. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> and Terry, what, what's happening October 1st? Oh, October 1st, right here in Las Vegas, where I live, um, is my first launch party, my official launch in my now my hometown. I've been here 10 and a half years. And um, I am reading and signing books at the Barnes and Noble on Rainbow Boulevard at uh, Sunday, October 1st at uh, 2 o'clock. Beautiful. How exciting. You two are both so inspiring. I admire your work and who you are as people. Terry, thank you for joining us today. We're wishing you all the best. I, I thank you, August. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you virtually, and uh, I hope to see you in person soon. Ditto. She is awesome. Isn't she amazing? So insightful. I completely see you two. Thank you. On tour, (laughs) making it happen. So amazing. I can't wait to to meet her in person and to hear about the success of these wonderful events coming up. So we have a few more movies that we'd like to discuss, and then we're going to bring Dr. Megan in as well. Uh, I'm going to share one that is much softer to show that everything I love that sexy doesn't need to be like super raunchy uh (laughs) this one is this one is very nostalgic for me because it was my first romance film rom-com that i saw and was like marry me like i just felt so i watched it over and over and have so much but memorized so here's one of the very famous lines from it two characters tell me what was so special about your wife Well, how long was your program? It was a million tiny little things that, when you added them all up, meant we were supposed to be together. And I knew it. I knew it the very first time I touched her. It was like coming home, only to no home I'd ever known. I was just taking her hand to help her out of a car, and I knew. It was like magic. Beautiful. Have you seen it? Yes. Long time, though, so I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, it's been a while for me, too. Sleepless in Seattle. Um, Just iconic, again, just an iconic romantic comedy. And there's something about those stories where it seems like some kind of destiny plays a role. Yes. Like when two people are being true to themselves and they're in vulnerable spaces and they just keep on going and somehow, against all odds, they're paths cross and they connect and fireworks and it's just you know and and on one hand you know there are these kinds of ideas about you know life is not a a romance all this stuff and that sometimes the portrayals can be unrealistic but to me that is very real like absolutely that spark absolutely um chemistry is a real thing yeah and and it can last and last if you you know nurture it i think Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful, but man, yeah. So in that story, if you aren't familiar, the dad 
Sam, he he catches his son calling a therapist, like a radio show at night, and he's worried about his dad because his dad is so sad because his his wife, the kid's mother, had passed away, and he wants a new wife for her. It's like the sweetest, saddest little thing. And so the dad comes in, and this is Tom Hanks, and he's, <sighs> he's like, what are you doing? And he ends up on the phone. And what's beautiful about that little monologue is it just comes out as, you know, he didn't plan this out. He just happens to end up on the phone. He's kind of irritated. And then he gets lost in it. And he's thinking about his wife. And you can feel that. And I think that that is what so many of us want someone to feel for us, right? Is Well said. Is yes. to feel that special and that yes. dear. And I yes. do think that that comes from, you know, we have to cherish ourselves too. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Heidi, you have another film. Okay, this is... This is for me, just the most romantic movie ever, ever created. It's an older movie, um, and this is this is uh, the the male lead is speaking to the female lead. You and I are in the same boat, Miss Hansen. We're both ghost-ridden. We are prisoners of our past. What if we were to pool our loneliness and give each other what little we have to give? Support, friendship. I'm proposing marriage, Miss Hansen. Or should I call it a merger? A member of parliament should have a wife, Margaret. So I'm told on all sides. He needs a clever hostess. You have exceptional gifts. Would it interest you to have a wider field for them? You need have no fear that I would make any emotional demands upon you. I have only sincere friendship to offer. I won't ask any more from you. So the member of parliament gave away that it's a British movie. Mm. The two leads, both, not for this movie, both won Academy Awards for Best Actor. Best Actor, Best Actress. And without giving it away, what did you love about the romance of it? That's a tough one to answer given given the, the circumstances. What I loved is the way two people found each other again under very, 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 very difficult and challenging circumstances. Mm, those are always good stories. Absolutely. I love hearing those Absolutely. in fiction, in real life. Overcoming obstacles, yes. Okay. Yes. Tell us what it is. It is Random Harvest. Many of you may not know it, but I, I cannot recommend it highly enough, starring Greer Garson and Ronald Coleman, two wonderful actors in 1942, <laughs> as you I was just going to guess that. magical that. year, yes. Yeah. And I, I just have to say, for me, it is just the most romantic. There are movies as romantic. I don't know of any that's more romantic than this one. There's something really sweet about how formal the words are. Indeed. I mean, I loved, I was August, I was thinking, and I didn't notice this until you printed this. He starts out calling her Miss Hansen, and then he changes to Margaret. Aww. And uh, it's it's... There's a lot of heartbreak. I mean, it's it's a it's a very tragic, and unbelievably hopeful and beautiful story. Mm. I wonder if 1942 was a big year because of the war. Do you feel like yes, romance and story became more important? I, I could not agree more. I just finished a book about um, a wonderful Pulitzer Prize winning book by Doris Kearns Goodwin called uh, No Ordinary Time, and it's about Eleanor and Franklin, the Roosevelts during the Second World War, and just one forgets how truly horrifying that time was. And I think Hollywood, yes. In an, I mean, if you think in, in Casablanca in 1942, it was by no means clear that the Allies were going to win. Yeah. You know, so you had to talk about, about and actually, uh, Random Harvest takes place just after the First World War, which was also called the War to End All Wars. Clearly not the case, but it's so much about, and we were talking earlier about trusting 
and about bravery. It takes courage to to take the risk yes. that, that fully committing to being in love is. Yeah. You realize you, you're so, so vulnerable. Yeah. And vulnerability is also what allows us to have deep intimacy. Yes. And it's that weird kind of scary feeling. Yep. It's amazing how much it's like feeling really sick and high and drunk at the same time. I love that description. <laughs> that was brilliant. It's, it's really crazy. It's kind of like an illness, yeah. which actually ties into this next little <laughs> sort of, which I'm not going to say a whole lot about because I tell a story about it in my forthcoming book, Girl mm. Boner. It was very influential in my life. And it's, I almost said the name. <laughs> okay, two lines. The first, as a child, I had let my balloons go. Nymphomania, a man's invention to make women feel guilty if they break the rules. Wow. You know, I love that. Wow. Do you know what it is? I don't. Okay. So it's called Diary of a Nymphomania. Oh. It was originally made uh, in France. So there's a French version with subtitles. And then there's an English version. It came out in 2008. And it chronicles the life of a middle-class French girl who has these sexual adventures. Um, and then into sex work and ultimately wow. redemption. But it's it's a beautiful story. It's incredibly erotic. And the title itself, I mean, it really, I mean, again, back to words. There yes. is no word for yes. a man who yes. desires sex so much that yes. he's he's sick, yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, exactly. and, uh, and, of course, with all respect to, to hyposexuality, which is a different thing mm. um, and can be part of a mental illness. But in this case, mm-hmm. it's it's a woman letting herself feel mm-hmm. and I haven't gotten through the whole movie because it's so hot like I, <laughs> I you'll read more about that in my book but I, I just want to say if you're looking for something that is just like erotic from the beginning that's a really good one and I think it's really important too to to think about you know what we enjoy in films doesn't necessarily mean it's what we enjoy Absolutely. In the bedroom, Absolutely. in our lives. It's great to have imaginations. And and Dr. Megan Fleming, our resident sex and relationship expert, weighed in on this, which I love. She brought to light some really important points about how we can kind of use these films. Here's what she had to say. Sex scenes in the movies. Um, you know, I love that you're talking about this today because, um, you know, it's interesting. I think most of us can probably recall those first times. Chances are we were in our parents' home and they may have been watching a film with us and we may have, uh, there was like an erotic scene and sort of squirming and, you know, wondering what their reactions were to even noticing whether or not we were having a feeling. Um, everything from that to uh, other ones where you had the privacy either on your own or maybe with a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner and just... Uh, maybe being surprised and titillated by uh, the seduction and the passion. And so uh, I think movies and sex scenes do a lot for our erotic imagination. We certainly see the entire spectrum of uh, power dynamics at play and just sort of that sense of where human desire and the ranges of all that looks like um, meets our human psychology. Um, And so, in fact, I think I've mentioned this on a previous question I answered. You know, I have one client who almost uses uh, a scene in uh, the the show Billions on Showtime where it's basically a high-power couple 
where they gauge in BDSM role play. Um, and so for him, this is kind of a litmus test, you know, somebody that he's dating to watch an episode and just sort of <laughs> to notice and look at the reaction. Uh, because if it's one of disgust, he's kind of clear that at this point in his life, you know, that's not the kind of partner he wants to be with. Um, so I think that, you know, the role that these movies can play is everything from being a version of a litmus test, uh, potentially by the idea of a threesome and again, a, a way of engaging and uh, creating a conversation around that. Um, and I think in many ways, just giving us ideas, like I certainly recall, uh, a memorable scene, uh, from nine and a half weeks. And I can tell you, you never really recognize that your refrigerator before, uh, and everything in it could be so sexy. Um, and then there's all the, you know, the, you know, like in risky business, it's on the train, uh, the car and the Titanic. I think looking at all the different modes of transportations and ways that, um, you can take advantage of an opportunity. Uh, you know, I guess there's just an entire range of everything that uh, helps you. You know, anytime you're watching something, to me, it's like it gives you a sense of, a, you know, my expression is red light, yellow light, green light. You know, is that something that turns you on? And it's a way of also creating conversation, uh, especially now in the post Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, any of the things along blindfolds or uh, whips, like anything on the BDSM spectrum, is that of interest to you? Um, again, as I said earlier, a threesome or a same-sex partner, you know, sometimes by looking at something and seeing whether or not it turns you on, it gives you an inkling. Um, and as I said also about fantasy so often, it's also true that sometimes, again, men and women, we know this even looking, um, uh, you know, self-identified heterosexual women, you know, if you put them in an MRI or they're looking at their arousal response through pornography, uh, you recognize that, you know, women often get responsible do get aroused by looking at women, but that doesn't necessarily equal that they want to do it in real life. So um, I think it's an opportunity to enjoy and seek out nice, sexy scenes uh, to explore your own sexuality with your partner. And as always, as you know, I say sort of put a toe in the water and don't jump into the deep end of the pool uh, because what might be sexy on screen might just stay on screen and or it might be the introduction of bringing it into your own relationship. So you know what I always say, as always, have a lot of fun, explore, play and uh, expand your horizons. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. I love the context she brought, too, because I do think we have those experiences where, you know, we see the first sexy scene and maybe we're embarrassed about it. Did you ever walk in on your parents watching something sexy or you're watching some movie together and there was like that embarrassing silence? That moment, yes, that moment. And uh, yes, and and you're just thinking, oh, please, can I just disappear? (laughs) I had that happen recently with our nephew who is uh, in his mid-twenties, but he'll always be a little boy to me. And we went to see Atomic Blonde, which is a fabulous movie. She is just, you know, Charlize Theron is just phenomenal. And there are some very, very wonderful, and I highly recommend erotic scenes between two women. They're gorgeous. And I mean, just gorgeous, beautifully done. And as, as the doctor says, you know, explore whether you know dip a toe in and all that Mm -hmm. but i'm sitting there with my nephew who again is an adult and will always be a little boy to me (laughs) and i'm just staring straight ahead going oh god if i'm right next to my nephew it was hilarious i loved it i loved it It that is awesome that is awesome i remember being really obsessed with dirty dancing when i was a kid and my sisters and i would we had it memorized we would dance around to the soundtrack, singing along, and even the term dirty dancing, mm-hmm. like we did not, it didn't dawn on us that there was anything sort of actually sexual about it. Like we picked up on the romance, mm-hmm. but I just remember at one point going, oh, these lyrics. 
you know? It's funny how some songs are really explicit, same yeah. thing with movies, and yeah. you don't really notice it until, oh, that's what the words oh, are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of BDSM that Dr. Megan brought up, have you seen, the, uh, actually, I'll give you a line. Mm. We'll do one more. Mm. Just a scoop of creamed potatoes, one slice of butter, and four peas, which doesn't sound sexy, but it is in the movie. Sound familiar? I'm drawing a total blank. 2002, Maggie Gyllenhaal. <gasps> oh, uh, Secretary. Yeah. Oh, great movie. Right? Oh, no, very hot. Very so sexy. So sexy. And, very sexy. And that's a good example. Like, there's a lot of kink and BDSM stuff that yeah. I'm not interested in myself. Right. You know? Right. But watching it. Oh, man. Great, oh, my great gosh. Great movie. Fascinating relationship between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Because, as you, you know, it, it sort of sometimes skirts the... Um, there are times when I look at it and think, oh, he's dominating her. But then that changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has so many layers to it. It's not one thing or the other. It's a really rich relationship. Yeah, it's it's fluid. They're switches. Yes, it is. well said. Like, yes, exactly. Um, it's exactly. more fluid. And, yes. and when she is submitting, it's her choice. Absolutely. So kind of like, you know, well... Very much like BDSM when yeah. you when you approach it that the properly, exactly. you know, safe, sane, exactly. consensual is their kind of motto. Exactly. And what I love too is there's this scene that one with the <laughs> with the food line there, where Maggie's character is she's masturbating and she's thinking about him, and we get into her imagination. They show what she's mm. seeing, mm. and to me that's far more erotic. And ironically. The guy's name is Mr. Gray. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, if if you thought Shades of Gray, which, by the way, I actually thought that the movie Shades of Gray, I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. I actually talked about it in a previous episode. But one thing I did love about it was how turned on you could see you could see desire mm. in the main female character mm-hmm. who is brilliant I thought mm. um, I thought she was great so there's there's good things about it but if you actually want the really hot BDSM oh, yeah. dynamics and the oh my gosh secretary yeah no it's it's v- memorably hot yeah it's so good it's so good so tell us what's next for you Heidi besides these wonderful events you have another book you're working on I um the uh, the sequel Lala Pettibone standing room only will be released by Amberjack uh, in August what a lovely name for a month of 2018 and I'm having so much fun with that. That's mm-hmm. just they again they just make everything a pleasure. They they are they, they are a writer's dream the team at Amberjack. And they're lucky As you to know. have you and lucky to have Terry. And lucky to have you. What a trio <laughs> you so of, of you know of yeah. members of the Amberjack family. Yeah, yeah. It's great when you do pursue that joy. I love that your tip was about joy mm. because to me you're such a joy bringer. Thank you. And I think Ditto. Ditto. Doesn't that come from you prioritize your you were talking about self-care earlier, how mm. important that is. Mm. But then also really treasuring the love and the goodness in your life, yes. Yes. which in your book and it sounds like in Terry's too is a big theme. Huge huge theme in Terry's as well. And and I think we do come back to spending every day looking looking for positive energy in others and finding it in ourselves. And I think the best way to find positive energy in yourself is to totally focus on gratitude mm. and all, all the things for which we can be so thankful in our lives. How do you do that? Do you? I know you express it verbally a lot. Thank you. It's, it's not hard to do because 
you know, you know, I, I have I have a wonderful husband. I have three fabulous senior dogs. Um, I I also honestly thinking on a global scale, we are very lucky. We have a lot of we have a lot of struggles. We have a lot of fights that we need to have. Saudi Arabia only just said they would, and I hate this word, allow women to drive. Drive. So so having been born in the late 1950s and growing up in the United States, even with our challenges, I am consistently grateful. We 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 are here, we are we are at peace. No one's gonna break the door down because of what we're talking about and drag us off to a gulag. We're lucky. It's it's not hard to find anything, everything, any and everything to be happy about. Very well said. Thank you. And and if we just choose to focus on it, stay aware, remind us ourselves of that when mm-hmm. things are tough. Exactly. Can exactly. be really powerful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me, Heidi. I can't thank you enough, August. It's it's just an utter joy to spend time with you. Thank you so much. So again, everybody, if you want some girl motor swag, which is just frosting, because really you're getting a big awesome thing by <laughs> purchasing either or both of these two books by these two fantastic authors. So please do support them, buy their books, check out their websites, follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram, like them on Facebook, and attend their events if you're able to. I know that they would love to see you there. Love to, love to. And if you're enjoying Girl Bonner Radio, I hope you will subscribe on iTunes if you haven't, and leave us a simple review while you're there. I'd so appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Bonner Embracing Week.